Hi, and thank you for joining us for episode number six of the series. My name is Benjamin Brain. I'll be your host for the next 60 minutes or so. And this is The Truth About Business. Welcome to The Truth About Business, where it's my mission to seek out real-life business champions and explore and share their challenges, setbacks, failures, and triumphs to serve as inspiration, motivation, and help other like-minded business people and entrepreneurs like us to fast-track our own success. In this episode, we talk business with Tamsin Wheatcroft of Tamsin Wheatcroft Property and Financial Services Recruitment. As the owner of a dynamic and fast-paced recruitment business, Tamsin helps owners of some of the top independent estate agency and financial businesses in the region to hire the very best people and save huge amounts of time in doing so. This isn't her first business either. Since the age of 21, Tamsin has been a serial entrepreneur and has defied the odds to build three successful businesses. She's clearly doing something right and that's all revealed in this brilliant interview with another great entrepreneur and real-life business champion who is out there making it happen right now. So amongst many other business gems dropped in this conversation, you'll learn three things, including number one, the key attributes that Tamsin feels are required to start and maintain a successful business. Number two, how to make better decisions when it comes to recruiting. Number three, how Tamsin stands out from the crowd and wins in an extremely competitive industry. And there's much more too. You know, success leaves footprints. So let's take a walk with seasoned businesswoman and recruitment extraordinaire, Tamsin Wheatcroft. Hi, Tamsin. Welcome to The Truth About Business. Hi, Ben. Good Great to, to have here. you on board. Looking forward to this interview. So for those of the audience that don't know, can you give a brief summary of what you do? Yes, sure. Basically, we're property sector recruiters and I cover the East Midlands region. So we recruit on behalf of estate agents, letting agents, new homes, surveyors, financial services that's that's us in a nutshell from the very start up to where you are now can you give us a sort of summary of the journey that you've been on to get to the point where you started yeah yeah right from the beginning it, as far as back as you can remember yeah, yeah I know I know it's a long time um yeah right back in the beginning I went myself for two interviews and I got offered two jobs one was an air hostess in London and one was a recruiter in Nottingham I'm from Nottingham and so I decided to stay in Nottingham. So I went straight into recruitment. I absolutely loved it, running a temp desk, which was really, really busy. I did that for a couple of years and then I decided that I could actually offer the service better myself and that I wanted to go and set up on my own. So I set up a recruitment agency in Nottingham City Centre doing commercial temps sold that out and then I went into property and worked as a valuer for two years and really loved that I loved winning the business and doing all the valuations and then in my mind I thought okay I love property and I love recruitment and I want to earn more money so I set up in the front bedroom and started doing property sector recruitment and did that for seven and a half years. So in the end, there was about five of us covering the East Midlands region. So we did new homes, estate agency, financial services. And that was fabulous until the recession came. And so we shut shop and I went then into lettings. Um, I was really lucky. I knew someone that right end of the market for me. And they just said, come and join us. So I did six and a half years there and then I came to the idea when the girls were getting bigger that I needed to do more and property sector recruitment was really my passion so I've come back into that and I've been back in it three and a half years now and I love it. Okay and, and what is it in particular about the property sector recruitment that you're passionate about? I love property and uh, I have a genuine interest in property and I love the people that I recruit for and also the candidates that I deal with. I like salespeople. It's not just salespeople though in the property sector. Obviously, you've got, you know, the accountancy side and the professional surveying side. So there's a good spectrum of, you know, people that you're dealing with from entry level right up through to director level. So that's interesting. And I am absolutely passionate about it. I 
think that probably because I've always kind of been in property and recruitment for such a long time, like probably 20 years now, I've got a lot of contacts and I like doing a good job. So I love doing a good job and I do really, I do really genuinely love the property sector. I wouldn't want to really recruit in another sector, I don't think. Okay. Yeah. There's lots of interesting points there that I'd like to dig into a little bit deeper, but you've been a business owner now for three and a half years. Yes. Did you in your younger days, in your teen years or even before, show any entrepreneurial traits back then? Were there any signs that one day you'd become your own business, your own boss? When I was really little, I used to bag up lavender and go and sell it around the village. And uh, I was probably six or seven then, but I liked to get my um, I liked to get my money in. And right from the get go, I think I've always liked I've been very competitive. You know, when I was a, at school and whatever, I used to run at national level, whether it's cross country. So I've always had that competitive streak in me. And yeah, I don't know where that answers it. Most definitely, yeah. yeah, bagging up the lavender, taking it around. <laughs> I think there's some entrepreneurial signs there. Uh, for me, it was a paper round, but that's definitely a bit more innovative than a, than a paper round on my side of things. Your family history. Do you have many business owners in the family or were you one of the first that had taken that step to, to go out there on your own? My grandpa was Harry Wheatcroft and he grew roses. So my dad and my uncle set up Wheatcroft Garden Centre and they used to grow the roses and distribute them so and also dad was into building so when I was little construction I'd go out on building sites and so maybe there was the early signs of getting involved in having a passion for property yeah yeah maybe yeah okay and what was the reason for obviously you've said earlier you had the the job choices of being an air hostess or going into the recruitment side, was it the fact that the recruitment side was more local and you were staying in Nottingham? Yeah. Or was there anything in particular that stood out that you thought, yeah, this is something that I'm going to be good at? You know, being completely honest with you, I think the choice was my mum had been in a road accident when I was 15. And so she'd had severe brain damage, but she'd got loads better and lived at home. And But I wanted to stay close to her so actually the the real decision was kind of I'll stay in Nottingham I'll be close there but as soon as I'd picked I did like HR and when I was at college I really liked that side of things and I also liked the business side the money side I really liked that so recruitment as soon as I got into it I really loved finding the staff also working out the margins on the temps very very heavily targeted so you had to get so many temps out a week your margins had to be right so all of that to me I really used to enjoy you like that high pressure environment yeah okay and going back again you know this can be hard to remember sometimes especially with the length of time that you've been involved in (laughs) recruitment and property was there a trigger moment in particular going back to your career when you realized that you'd obviously been employed at the recruitment agency but now yeah I want to get that out there I want to set up on my own I want to be my own boss and do it my way was there an event that sparked that sort of thought process right back in the beginning when I was at link up I think someone claimed a commission form and that's how simple it was and I just thought you know what I'm working really really hard and I'm absolutely smashing it for you and actually I could do this on my own so when that happened that was my kind of you know what I'm going to do it on my own and from that moment on I literally thought I'm out of here and and I was I was on my way and what was the sort of time period between you making that decision and actually opening first day on your own was it a a series of months years days weeks it was quite quick I literally handed my notice in worked my notice and then I went and sat at in my uncle's office did my database because I knew exactly where I was going to get all my business from did that and and opened up within it was probably from handing my notice in to opening about eight weeks wow okay so from the people that I've interviewed so far there is those that have built the business up in the sideline whilst also still being employed and those that have similar to what you've said they've handed in the notice and they've started from day dot but you were just this is something that I'm going to do I'm handing my notice in I've got no clientele at the moment obviously I presume you've built up relationships with people from being in the job but you were that 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 much belief in yourself that you were prepared to just start from day dot and go out there and make it happen yes yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. And do you think that's a, an attribute that does well in business? You just make the decision and you go for it? Personally, for me, it works. I'm very black and white. So either it works or it doesn't work. Either it's a goer or it isn't. So yeah, definitely. Did you have any doubts before that first day? Or were you just absolutely dead set from day one that this is me and I'm going to make it happen? Yeah, I didn't have any doubts. I just thought it was going to work a million percent. 
So bringing it back to Tamsin Wheatcroft, property and financial services recruitment, what was your biggest challenge in launching that business? The challenge for me probably was literally my mindset because I thought, do I really, do I really, really want to do this again? Do I want to rack the pressure up? But then on the other side of it, I was thinking, absolutely, you know, I'd got a picture of Saskia and Bella either side of my pin board. So my reason why was for the girls and your girls. Yeah. 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 Okay. Daughters. Yeah. 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 So I just thought, um, so that was my reason why the challenge was literally just my mindset. Yeah. Okay. And you've mentioned there something interesting. You had uh, Saskia and Bella either side of your vision board. Yes. What sort of things were on your vision board, if you're able to show us? Well, it was it was like a, a notice board. So it was literally all my prospective clients, like a golden hit list. I knew in my mind I wanted to get rid of the old car and I wanted, <laughs> wanted a new car because it was falling apart. And also a holiday apart from camping. So that was really important. So these are all my little reasons why I wanted to do it. So I just wanted to provide more. And I knew I could do that if I put my mind to it. So that's why I'd got a picture of the girls either side to make me focus. If I had a problem with clients or someone not paying their bills, why am I doing it? I know why I'm doing it. Wow, amazing. And where did you keep the vision board? Just literally next to my desk on the wall do you think it's important for people particularly starting out in business to have the visions of what they're going to achieve later on in life to to keep them motivated like you say when times get difficult it gives you a reason to keep going yeah absolutely absolutely and also it's a lot easier to think about other people and think I'm providing for you rather than thinking this is all about me so I you know for me that was that made it all real and also I had had enough of camping so to go abroad for a holiday you know south of France was my dream and that's you know those are the kind of things that I wanted to do and how long had you been practicing that exercise with the vision board is that something that you've always done is it or a more recent thing that you've taken on I do read a bit not loads but I do read a bit and you know all that visualization and I do believe in that so I've not always done it, but I just wanted to put the things there that I, you know, meant a lot to me so that when I did have a difficult time, I knew where I was going to aim for. And some of those have, have actually come into fruition. Yeah, they've all happened. So, wow, they've yeah. all happened. OK, yeah. so yeah. there's definite proof there that it works. Yes. So if you haven't got a vision board, get one up, get one yeah. going. OK, yeah. most yeah. definitely. OK, so can you remember your first client for Tamsin Wheatcroft Property? I think it was uh, FHP. I went to very early on when I got back into it. I literally had to pick up the phone and say to everyone, hi, it's Tamsin. I'm back in property sector recruitment and then get around the, you know, the property shows. So which luckily I'd kept in whilst I was at Cavendish. So I'd, I've got lots of friends in property and lots of clients and candidates that I know. So it wasn't too difficult for me. And it was just literally bumping into people at a trade show, a property show, and them saying, oh, hi, Tam, you know what, we've got this vacancy. So it was really, it was just a great way to pick them up. And so networking for you has been a big part of that success. Yes, I love networking. And I think you've got to be out there to be seen. You've got to be accessible to lots of people in the property sector. And you've got to work it because otherwise, today, I think a lot of people kind of, aren't visible you need to be out there being seen and also you pick up new candidates and clients the whole time when you're out because you just it's a natural way of doing business and you're buying into them they're buying into you you get a level of trust there you know I know a lot of my clients and have known them for a long time some of the clients I've got today which is really great I placed in their first job in property maybe 20 you know like 15 20 years ago so, so you've really seen the career progress yes, over yeah. the years and wow. now they're my clients you know and that's nice and with regards to going back to the networking I think that's something that instills a lot of fear in people and it you know they're, they're perhaps afraid of meeting new people with some of these events you have to speak up and say what you do in front of other people which can hold people back so if you had some top tips for somebody in any business not necessarily just in the recruitment world that was thinking about going out and, and networking what would they be well, I'll do a quick plug. RSVIP in Nottingham's really good. You've got so many good networking places to go. Literally, you just want to Google it, go on Eventbrite, get your business cards ready, 
go and meet people, but don't think that when you go to a networking event, you're going to get business straight away. What what I think with networking is you go and make some friends, some new friends that you collect and you learn about them and what they do and what uh, how they can help you. And then naturally business will come from it rather than thinking I've got to go in there, I've got to get three vacancies and, and quantify doing a networking event. I think it's better to try and make build relationships and then from those relationships you're going to get business naturally. Yeah, so you've got to play the long game with it then rather than yes. the short game. So you can't go to your first network event and expect to come out with loads of business. However, if you've managed to make a couple of connections there, met some new people mm. that you've not met before, you don't know where that could lead to. So it, that's that's a result. How was the first 12 months of Tamsin Wheatcroft recruitment compared to how you'd planned it to go when you first started? I just thought in my first year, if I can literally get a salary out of it and, you know, do do some good placements, I'll be happy. And in actual fact, I think I did from a cold start, I did about well, a turnover of 55 in from starting up in my first year. And I, I was happy with that. I was absolutely happy with that. It provided me good stepping stones to then take it up a gear, you know, the following year. Once I'd got kind of a, a good network of clients, I'd got the candidates coming back in. So for me, it was all a matter of just doing the, everything for the first time, whether it's using the job boards, monitoring where the responses are coming from, where am I filling the vacancies from, and then having a strategy to go forward, you know, and where I'm going to spend my money for the next year. Yeah, okay, interesting. So you use that first 12 months to really experiment with what's going to work best for you so that the next 12 months following... Like you say, you had a real solid strategy that could help you take it to the next level. What was your proudest moment during that first 12 year? Was there a particular client that you got on board, a particular placement that you made that really stands out? I do get really overexcited about property sector recruitment. And to get, for me, that first year, I got on board some of, you know, some fabulous clients that I dealt with previously, like FHP and Holden Copley, Royston and Lund, Robert Ellis. There were some real old clients and and new ones as well that were key accounts. So for me, I was recruiting again for all the best people in the geographical areas. So for me, I was like, you know, that is just such a result. And I just felt really, really happy, really excited. And what was the reason to focus solely on estate agency and the financial sector. I think there's some recruitment agencies where they recruit for a variety of different sectors, whereas you've really decided to to, to niche it in and, and yeah. just focus on those two individual sectors. What was the reason for that? Because I love it and I've I've stayed in properties and we did a lot of years at Wheatcroft Hale of doing purely property. So we had an amazing client base. So from a business point of view, I could pick up the phone and speak to all the clients. I could pick up the vacancies, but also because I had such an amazing network of friends in property, I could then go and approach them and see who was looking for, you know, new opportunities. So property and financial services is is my favourite. And I've never really wanted to go back and do general office recruitment because I like really do like the property sector. Yeah, no, you can really tell you've got a passion for it. It definitely comes across in the way you talk about it. And so like most industries, I can imagine there's plenty of competition. Yes. How did you manage to separate yourself from the competition? Why would a, a candidate or a client choose to work with you? Okay, okay. Well, that's an interesting one. I think perhaps we're a little bit faster and sharper from when we get a vacancy in whenever whatever time of day or night is we'll you know I know that we'll action it I also hope that I don't waste any clients time you know we will only send them good quality candidates through and um, from a candidate point of view we you know we're recruiting on behalf of the best people in every region whether it's Nottingham Derby or Leicester so we are attractive also our social media presence our hit rate whether it's on LinkedIn, you know, candidates come to us from a variety of pools. So you've got the traditional jobs boards, which today represents about 50% of placements. And then 25% of placements comes from headhunting. And I really personally love headhunting because I know a lot of recruiters that, you know, will post a job online and then just kind of wait for the ad response. But I do like hooking people out. I only hook out of uh, corporates and, and I only take out of people that I don't supply. And then the last section is from social media. So 25% of vacancies today is is filled by LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram. So 
you know, I think we're out there in the kind of, we're definitely very strong in our region for being available on LinkedIn and Facebook. You know, today I've run a couple of adverts and I've had someone ring me who's a candidate. I've just seen something on Facebook, Tam. I've also had a client come in that's seen me advertising for a mortgage advisor and they want a mortgage advisor for their office in Derby. So they've rung me. So I think because we're really visible and we are really good on the ground in Nottingham and Derby, also, I do think, I hope that we are faster and more, you know, responsive. I think I think we probably are, to be honest, than some. Yeah, most definitely. And a bit more tech savvy than perhaps some of the recruitment agencies that have been around for longer and slightly slower to catch up with the times. You know, I'm on LinkedIn. Every time I look on LinkedIn, there's a video of you posting, advertising, um, a placement there's a there's an advert for it and that's something that we'll definitely dig into mm. a little bit more with regards to the the vlogs because again like networking I know that's something that people have a lot of um, get anxious about putting yeah. themselves out there for, particularly for other people to, to see and comment Tom but you also mentioned earlier about you yourself had been a valuer for a couple of years yeah do you think that gives you an advantage being able to actually relate to the job itself having done it oh yeah absolutely I mean I work for an independent agent and I absolutely loved it I love the property sector. I love being a valuer. I loved winning the instructions. You know, I am really competitive and I work with some other really good people. And so that does. And also having worked in lettings as well for Cavendish Residential in Nottingham, that gave me fantastic lettings knowledge. The whole process, whether it was check-in, check-outs, I used to find landlords or developers that wanted to pass their properties to Cavendish. So it gives you a really good insight to exactly what what my clients are looking for today. Yeah, okay. And so going back to the social media side of things then, are there any platforms in particular that you see most success coming from? I love LinkedIn. I think that's absolutely fantastic. It's really good for clients and candidates. Facebook and Instagram tend to pick up candidates. I use LinkedIn and Facebook for headhunting. So you can sit for a good couple of hours on LinkedIn and go through all the uh, valuers for Derby or, or whatever. And also me, Facebook's fantastic. Literally, if I have someone in the office who farms me names, so gets me all the names of all the people, say, that work at one particular estate agents in a region, and then I'll go onto Facebook, I'll find them all, and I can message up to, well, I did about 48 people in one hour, and Facebook pinged up a message saying that it thought I was using facebook inappropriately to so. spam people <laughs> okay <laughs> and so on the yeah. linkedin side then are you a, a paid member on linkedin or do you just use the, the free accounts that i use the free accounts i have used the paid ones and i'm going back to paid because i can get i can look at people outside well i can go a bit deeper can't i yeah so you I'm can look go. outside of your own yes. network yeah. yeah okay and then obviously sometimes you know you see a lot of posts on linkedin and i think a lot of people spend a lot of time posting on linkedin without a specific goal that they want to get out of it and sometimes you can wonder well this person's investing all this time and resources into posting on social media are they actually getting anything out of the back end of it business sales wise Mm. you've obviously already said that 25% of your business comes from social media so obviously you've got it working for you and I think that will probably be quite a high percentage compared to a lot of other businesses that use social media it's very hard to track return for a lot of businesses so what are some of the things that you do that you think have made it successful for you what do you do differently that you see other recruiters doing or not doing I don't see loads of other recruiters doing videos some of them do though now I think that you've got to always be constant I think that in business anyway I think you've always got to be going all the time so whether it's posting videos or we post like job adverts or on LinkedIn it's it's always professional isn't it it definitely works though. I have a friend who works in construction in Nottingham and I was talking about recruitment. We're obviously based in Derby and he said to me, oh, there's this lady on Tam- called Tamsin. She's on LinkedIn all the time. And I was like, yeah, I know Tamsin. So, yeah, you yeah, know, you yeah. in terms of, like you said earlier with the networking, it's another way of putting you, your personality, because with you, you are the brand really, aren't you? I suppose the, yeah. the business is named after you. You're the main face of the business. And so people can relate to you. And 
it can be, you know, I've been there myself. I can remember the first video I posted on LinkedIn. I must have shot it literally about 150 mm. times and I still wasn't happy with it. Just pressing post to put it out to the world for everybody else to see. It's quite a, an intimidating feeling. Did you feel the same way when you posted your first video? And how do you feel about posting them now? Yeah, it's an, yeah, I think in the beginning, you're really bothered about what people think, or they're going to have a good look at you. But actually, people aren't that. They are interested in looking at you. But it doesn't really matter if you make mistakes, or you mumble or any of that, because they just want to try and get to know you. In the beginning, I was more bothered about it. But now, if you look um, not quite as good as you'd like to look, or if you're worried about something, I just think it doesn't matter, because you're still getting the message across. So I'm I'm not really that bothered today. What I do love is the subtitles because I know everyone's sat in an office. So if they've clicked on LinkedIn and they're at work, they'll have their sound off. So I think the subtitles is really important for LinkedIn now, which I'm using. Okay, not really thought of that before. So is there a particular software or app that you use to add the subtitles to your videos? Yes, yes, there is, Ben. I'll share that secret with you. <laughs> okay, we'll keep that one secret. Then. Yeah, we're not giving away all the trade secrets. So if any other oh, no. recruiters listening out there, then you've got to go out there and find that for yourself. Yeah. Okay, so going back to Tamsin, the entrepreneur, businesswoman, what attributes of yours do you feel have most contributed towards your own success? I'm really competitive, so I hate losing out on whether that's filling a vacancy. I think that's the attribute. So I would say just being competitive. Also, I'm very driven. Yeah, it's always on my mind. So, you know, I'll be on my phone at night and I'll be um, all just checking who's come through on Facebook or LinkedIn at 10 o'clock before I go to bed. I get up at like five in the morning. I have a quick flick through at five, half five, then I'm at the gym. So I always like to be on it. So I think I've probably got quite an addictive nature. So I can't leave it alone. Are are there any downsides to that? For example, if and when you go on holiday, you've talked about camping, going to the south of France. Can you switch off at all? I, last year, I, got up every morning at five o'clock and did about three or four hours before the kids got up and Mike but that's okay and I can do that I can do that this year I'm really lucky this year I've got Catherine who's full-time at Nottingham and she's covering Nottingham and Derby I've got a new lady that's just come on board for Leicester so I think that I can let go more I was in contact And also I had to see all my candidates over the line. So anyone that I'd got an interview and whilst I'm on holiday for two weeks, I have to follow those up and I have to get them over the line. I have to make sure the offer letters come out. So Catherine says I've got OCD. I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to making sure that everything goes through okay because I can't let it go. The attributes you've talked about there, driven, competitive, are those some of the qualities that you look for? when you're bringing on people onto your own team? Yes, absolutely. I mean, they always say that you recruit people similar to you, don't they? So the people that I've got on board now are very, very salesy and um, very driven. And they've got, I think a really important thing is the, the passion for recruitment, but also the passion for making money and the urgency to get on with something as quick as you can and not just sit there and wait for it to happen. We do also need the other people to that, so the process-driven people. So that's the next kind of appointment I want to make, is a process-driven person that can support the more salesy people. Are there any, on the recruitment side, with regards to finding the candidates and being driven and competitive, are there any industries in particular outside of recruitment that you look for candidates for for your own business? All similar is estate agency. Yeah, a lot really of competitive. There. Yeah. yeah, really competitive. Ideally, from somewhere that's very target driven, you know, like a big corporate, like the countrywide group. That those types of people that are used to working to targets are really good, or a hearts type person. So yeah, estate agency. Yeah, estate agency. It's all that kind of competitive sales environment where you're used to working to targets and you know if you snooze you lose you've got to be quick you've got to always be on it so you are the face of the business yeah you're at the networking events representing the business the business is named after you you obviously will have to wear a lot of hats particularly at the beginning when it is just yourself before you bring in on members of the team what are the positives to being the sole business owner I like to be able to make decisions really quickly and you don't have to ask anyone else, is it okay to do this or that? So that's an advantage of being the business owner. Apart from that, 
I can't really... Uh, are, are there any downsides? <laughs> downsides, you haven't got someone else to bounce ideas off. I miss that from having had previous recruitment agencies. You know, when you've got people at the same level as you where you can... Or if, for example, you're changing the IT system. IT, to me, you know, we've tried different databases. That's tricky. Or I now use... My accountants have given me good accountancy software, zero. So moving on to all of those kind of IT techie stuff, for me took me away from my working in the business, filling the vacancies. So for me, that was really frustrating. Normally in another business, if you've got someone else, I would just chuck that onto them and I would continue to work in it and make the placements. Okay. And going back to the the beginning days of Tamsin Wheatcroft, property, financial services, recruitment, obviously leading up to that point, you'd had a lot of experience in, in being a business owner, in a state agency, in the financial sector. If you could go back to day one, and obviously you had the very successful first year as well, is there anything that stands out that you would do differently if you could? What would I do differently? Invest in the business, get some investment right from the get-go. And where would you spend that money? Is it in the in the, the team, the marketing? The, the team. Sy- right, I think it okay. would be in the team. It would be pulling in another expert of another area to just slot in. Yeah, I think it would be external investment to grow the business quicker rather than it being a natural organic growth all down to me. I think that would be more fun. Now, you've obviously got a a great team. Um, You've talked about some of the people that you've got involved already with the business. You'd like to think that being a recruiter, you're pretty good at recruiting yourself. What are top tips, three top tips maybe that you could give to, particularly in the sectors that you cover, an estate agency business or a financial business that are looking to recruit are there any mistakes that you see people commonly make when they're looking to bring on board new people and what can we do to address those okay um i think the main thing that i come across is not all clients but some clients they want to get away with paying a lower basic salary i personally would say pay the best salary that you can pay and attract the best candidates because the lower paid salaries tend to be with the corporate so if you pay better then you're going to naturally pull out of those so you've got a massive pool to pull out of so pay good basics as big as you can attract the best candidates make sure that the commission structures are good and really incentivize people you know never disincentivize a salesperson by changing structures and reference as well reference candidates check up on them yeah i know that's a part of the process particularly from my experience that we forget to do yeah so it's definitely an important part of the process they're speaking to and by referencing i presume you mean in speaking to places of business where the candidates have have worked at previously yeah okay and there's also and this will be interesting to get your perspective obviously you've been involved for a couple of decades without making it sound too long um you know there's a lot of talk about the difference in attitudes of millennials and the the generation that's coming into work now from the the candidates that you bring on board particularly the you know the the teens to the young 20s do you see a distinct difference in attitudes obviously from certainly from the 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 CVs that we get you see a lot more of the younger generation that they're not necessarily and for good reason loyal to a business so you know they might be 25 26 and they've already had four different positions Mm. what are some of the things that you see that are are changing now with the attitudes of the younger generation the youngsters I tend to find that well it's you know maybe they do move a little bit more than they should do I mean I was talking to a candidate today and they'd moved every year and was that a conscious decision to do that or was that just how events panned out in the jobs that were at panned out but you know what looking at a cv as a recruiter you know i've got to be honest and i've got to say you've got to get a reason for leaving on your cv and also you can't just job hop so you can't do a year because as soon as someone gets that cv through they're literally seeing that there's no continuity there's no stability stickability so I think that is a message you need I I personally drum home to younger candidates is you need to stay with what you've got you need to you know do at least two years there and also advise youngsters on cleaning up their social media because as soon as you get a cv through your everyone's checking everyone out all the time now so you've got to be appropriate you know nothing to do with politics or nights out around town you've got to get rid of all of that 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know it's the first thing that we do when we get a CV and we'll have a look at the social media, have a yeah. look on Facebook. So it's definitely an interesting point of that, that a lot, you know, you go out, you take some pictures on a drunk Friday night out. Yes. The repercussions of that six months on could be far more um, consequential than you're thinking at the yeah. time. Yeah. And so particularly in the sectors that you work with, you know, estate agency, there's a lot of firms that have been along, around for a long time, not necessarily modernising with the times, but are looking for that fresh blood that young enthusiasm energy to bring into the business what are some of the things that a business can do to attract these type of people now are they just for and for anybody good is it that people are just looking for money or are there other things that they're looking for in a business besides that yeah I think there's definitely more things you know the environment that Sun works in is really important the money is really important to yeah. bring the the younger generation into the business, but also the progression in the future, investing in your employees, you know, whether it's taking them out to the races or whether it's doing a spa day or recognising staff, giving them their birthdays off. There are all kinds of things that companies do today to make them look more attractive than their competitors. Yeah, and these things aren't necessarily costly, but they're becoming a necessity to hold on to these yes. good good candidates because once you've got one nowadays because of the the way people move from from company to company once you've got a good person you do not want to lose them mm. it could be far more costly i'm sure there's so many of us that have been in the interview room with a candidate who comes across as amazing they're saying all the right things they're confident they're competent they've got great experience you put them in the job three months later it's a totally different person are there any tips and tricks or strategies that you use to identify people who are either good or may not come across very well in the interview, but are actually going to be great assets to the business. What sort of things would you advise to look for? I always think looking at someone's core values, so what really makes them tick. So try and get to know them in the interview and find out about their home life, what's important to them, what do they do in their spare time. So you can try and build up a picture of them. So, you know, in a dream world, you probably want someone that's quite stable or someone that isn't going to come in with major dramas. So if you can piece together all the bits, their best bits and what their home life's like, what they've liked best in their other jobs, where they feel like they've accomplished loads, then you can see whether all of that's transferable. But there is no guarantee. When you interview someone, there is no guarantee. None of us have got a guarantee. You know, that's, 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 some of it's gut feeling and then sometimes we get let down but you know that is that is life someone may come across amazing in interview and then they turn up and they're hung over on Monday morning or you know they haven't got that zest for life they had in the interview but you know if we get it right 99.9% of the time it's only a very small fraction that fall out you know, when you're looking at how many placements you do to the fall off rate, it's normally, you know, it's it's very high. So it's not often. Yeah. But businesses always remember, they, they always remember, oh my goodness, do you remember so-and-so? It's the one that went wrong yeah. that they, they remember. And do you find trusting your gut instinct is an important part of the process? Yeah, absolutely. Loads of people go with their gut instinct and lots of people don't reference, even today. I know that. Because also you've got to remember a reference legally you can only give kind of the dates employed to and from and you can't you know it's not like it was say 30 or 40 years ago it isn't like that today so when you ask for a reference you're getting very limited information anyway mm, okay and so you've mentioned already some similarities between the the attributes that you look for for somebody coming from into the recruitment world and the estate agency world are there any other attributes particularly for those sectors that you work in financial and estate agents that employers should be looking for a type of person, beliefs, mindset that tend to work out well in those sectors? Gosh, that's a good question, Ben. I like that. We've already discussed, say, the sales side and you want someone that's driven and, you know, like a hungry, aggressive, kind of not aggressive, but a salesperson. And then the other side of it is the resourcing side. So whether it's in the sales or lettings, you know, it's going to be someone that's process driven. If they're in property management, it's like a cycle or, or property maintenance. A job comes in, there's a problem that comes in. The candidate will have to pick that job up, book it out 
follow it up, let the landlord know, let the tenant know. So it's like a cycle. So not only do we look for salespeople, but we also look for process-driven people, you know, that have that follow procedures and literally that's all, they love doing it and they get a real buzz from completing a problem. If it's financial services, it's going to be, again, it's either a, a driven salesperson or it's going to be someone that is doing mortgage admin or they're an accounts type person. So they're going to be professionally qualified okay yeah let's take it back to potentially somebody who's just started a business in either of these sectors they've been a one-man band for a number of months they're now looking to take on board their first member of staff they've not really dealt with recruitment before what three tips would you give them to help them find the best possible candidate and one that's going to help them grow the business take your time and make sure that you interview as many candidates as you can. Do you find that quite often people rush to fill a gap and then end up regretting it rather than seeing as many Mm. people as possible and finding the right person for the right seat? Absolutely, absolutely. Because when you've got a vacancy, people want to fill it as fast as they can. So often they'll go to market, try and interview as quick as they can, job offer and think, oh, great, I've got that done. And in actual fact, you need to step back, you need to do first interviews, you need to step back, give it a good week, as long as you're updating the candidates all the time, because you don't want them going cold on you. So really, it's it's just about taking your time, making sure that you've got your, you know, your, your wish list down there and just cross referencing it and making sure that they, you know, hit as many as they can. And if it doesn't work, wait and go again. And obviously make sure you speak to Tamsin. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Ring me, ring me. I'll help. Yes. Okay, so we've talked about some good tips there. And obviously, you'll be very of the opinion that working with a recruitment agency is also going to add a lot of benefit to anybody who's looking for a great candidate. What are some of the advantages that a business can gain, particularly, obviously, with a state agency in the financial sector, from working with an expert in those industries, recruiters such as yourself? Okay, well, that's a great question. We will have a pool of candidates. So say... I've got three and a half years worth of database. So I've got a good stack of candidates that are immediately actively looking for employment within the sector. So they're going to have access to that straight away. If they were to advertise their own job, the candidate may not see it or they may not apply direct to the client because of confidentiality. They might think if we send our CV to them, they might know someone at my company. And then when they go out for a beer, they might tell that person. So I'm not going to apply to them. Whereas if they're going to get confidential candidates through me as a recruiter, because I'll submit the candidate CV, they don't have a name, they don't have a company where they work. So they'll get access to a good pool of candidates a lot quicker. So today, for example, I've had three vacancies rung in and already we've actioned them and we've got CVs out to them. If they posted a job online, they could be waiting weeks. And also it's really time consuming. I mean, we try different job boards and a lot of clients are trying Indeed. Now, I've advertised on Indeed and literally I was looking for a trainee property person, but I was inundated with CVs. I probably had 60 CVs within two days. And from that, how many hours is that going to take you to read? What a waste of time if it's the MD or a, a new business owner reading through all those CVs. So that's hard. And also you may only get two decent candidates out of that. So I think the time saving aspect and the access to you know quality candidates from especially from the industry outweighs all the time that you could spend looking yeah and from personal experience on the flip side of that I know that in the past we've used a jobs board to post a vacancy and expected to be flooded with requests and then two or three weeks later down the line you've got two CVs that have been sent in from people who have no experience, aren't really relevant to the job, haven't read the questions properly. So business in general, Tamsin, what do you think are some of the attributes that makes a successful business owner in any business? I think having a fantastic product is really important. And the business owner has got to believe in their product. It's got to be the best product. And the business owner has got to lead. So look after all the people in the business and lead and, and train them. And, you know, that that's really important. Also getting out there. So networking, not being fearful of anything, just doing everything that you need to do, being really sharp, being on it, embracing new technology, embracing uh, social media and just just doing everything and if you're fearful about anything just stepping out there and putting yourself 
over the line and just doing it. Yeah. Okay. Great answer. What do you think are some of the misconceptions that people who aren't in the position of being a business owner have about being your own boss, being a business owner? I think maybe they think it's just as easy as working for someone else. You know, until you are your own boss and you're responsible for everything and you go to bed every night with, uh, you know, people that haven't paid you or debt, you know, any of that. I don't think people get it unless they've been responsible for all that kind of stuff. And I have friends that say to me, oh, you need to slow down, slow down. And it's like, you know what, girls, I need to speed up. Because from my point of view, you know, I've got it to a level now where I really want to grow the business. And, you know, it's for me, it feels like it's the beginning again. But you know what, I've set up my first company when I was 21. I'm a lot older now. But I feel like, you know, I've got the energy and you just need to get on and do it. And what are some of the sacrifices that you've had to make to get the business to where it is today? Sacrifices in time. So um, I, I don't do any cleaning. I don't do any cooking. And there are real sacrifices. There are sacrifices like on holidays, waking up every morning and doing three or four hours when I didn't have any staff, I'd be doing that. Uh, sacrifices having to go out in the evenings and doing networking events sacrifices you know can be two nights a week I only work late kind of two nights a week now well three or four actually but it used to be literally every night so that would be coming home quickly doing tea for the girls and then back to work for two hours so I you know I don't watch I don't really watch TV anyway but those are the kind of the time things and missing out and always feeling like I need to be doing something else yeah because we could all work 24 hours and still have more to do can't we it is a difficult position to be in and do you think that comes as a surprise with regards to the time investment that you have to make in your business to grow it to people who haven't had that experience of being a business owner before because that's quite often one of the sacrifices that people talk about in the fact that I had no idea it was going to take up this much of my life when I first started. Yeah, I don't think people realise if you haven't done it on your own, then they've got no way of knowing what you've got to put in. Yeah, so you've really got to be prepared if you are going to start the business to put in the hours, make these sacrifices... When you're a business owner, you have family and friends that aren't necessarily in that position. It's hard for them to understand the time and resources that you have to invest to grow your business. Have you found that yourself that, you know, people ask you what you're doing or if you're coming out or if you can chat to them on the phone, but you just don't have the time for that. And how do you deal with it? Yeah, I giggle at the moment because one of my friends said, I can't believe you booked a phone call in your diary with me. And I said, yeah, you know what, I'm going to have to. And that's how it is sometimes. So I literally schedule the call in so I have to put friends and family who I've got to ring on what date and time because otherwise I find that I can't stop working and that's just my nature I'm living my life I've got to be happy with it but I do make sure that I see friends and family and when I and I do schedule it in that's really important to me. When things aren't necessarily going the way that you'd like them to go you've mentioned earlier about clients that may not pay challenging conversation with friends How do you deal with those situations? Do they get you down and you dwell on them or you strike me as the type of person that will just brush it to the back of your mind, take whatever lessons you can from it and move on? Yeah, I'd like to say that I do just push it to the back of my mind, but I've got like a, you know, it just goes, sometimes it can just go round and round in my head. I was reading a book the other day and it said you have 90,000 thoughts in a day and 75,000 of those are negative. Wow. Yeah. I don't really believe that, but I just thought it's interesting, isn't it? You know, I can have a fantastic day and then there can be one person that says, I'm not going to do this because of that. And then all of a sudden I'll focus on that. So I do have to tell myself to stop thinking about it and push it to the back of my mind. But you have to keep doing that and saying, no, you're not, you know, I'm not going to listen to that now. And literally I refocus. So I'll look at the next best thing, whether it's pushing a candidate out for interview or a CV. And if I just go back straight into work, same with any problem, if I just work, everything else disappears so that is kind of like my coping mechanism yeah it's just like falling off a bike you fall off you just get back on and start riding again yeah Yeah, and I think that's probably one of the things particularly for first-time business owners they don't realize the time investment it's going to take and number two they perhaps don't think about that it's not actually always going to go their way so having that mindset knowing that things are going to go wrong but knowing that you can overcome them and move on is I would expect a, a big part of what you do and do you find that as time's gone on that's been 
like a brain muscle that's got stronger yes. the more times you've yeah. done it so yeah. it just becomes a natural part of who you are definitely it's like when people say oh you found me a candidate really quickly so we don't want to pay you full fee well you know what that doesn't really matter because I've had that candidate maybe for three years so it isn't really fast actually it's, you kind of get used to it I use an accountant I use a marketing and I use professionals in each area to help me with my business and I pay them the going rate and just because they do a good job I don't then ring them the next day and say can you half your fee to me because they've done a great job and so now I'm not I'm not as flustered whereas in the beginning again it's always a shock isn't it well why have they done that but it's nothing personal it's nothing personal everybody does it today it's normal isn't it it's interesting you you if you're if you're too quick they ask you for a discount and if you take too long, they ask for a discount, so you can't really win. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and you've also talked about the fact that you're not an avid reader, but you, you are a reader of business books. Is there one in particular that you have enjoyed the most or that you would recommend? One of my favourites is Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Okay. That was a real favourite. Yeah. And that is just stepping out there. That's just doing it. Reading things, it's just that. It's just going in all the time, isn't it? If you read for 10 or 20 minutes at night, it's just going back in. It's affirming everything. Uh, that's why, you know, I, I like reading. And do you try to stay disciplined to read in that 10 or 20 minutes a night? And do you manage to do it every night? No, no, no. I don't always manage to do it, but I need to be more disciplined. So that's, uh, yeah, definitely. So throughout the, your career, not necessarily just in the current business, although it could be, mm. what would you say, Tamsin, is your biggest success so far? I think just... Uh, having the drive to go and do it again you know I did it when I was 21 I set up and then I did it again when we did property sector recruitment Wheatcroft Hale and then starting up again doing it again yeah that that's an impressive achievement because there's so few businesses that make it out of the, the first year and the fact that you've been able to from the age of 21 start a business and start a successful business three times in a row there's obviously something that you're doing right there what are some of those things that you feel are doing right? What's enabled you to, to do that successfully three times in a row? I think the main thing is just to, to always keep going regardless. And, and if there's problems, just deal with it head on and just get on with it. And you can't give up when you're in it. You've just got to keep going. And whatever comes your way, you've got to deal with it. And something that I've picked up from the various conversations that we've had is that regardless of whether it's at the beginning of the day, whether it's at the end of the day, whether it's a Monday or a Friday, you're always full of energy and so passionate about what you do. It's not just on the interview. It's, it's genuinely all the time that we're having conversations about recruitment and estate agency. Is that energy and passion something that you've always had in all the businesses that you've been in? Yes, it is. I think I was just born that way. And I have got a lot of energy. I've got lots of energy and I am pretty enthusiastic. And if a bad situation comes my way, and I don't know whether that's from... I don't know, from right from the get-go. If something bad happens, I always try and look at the positive and just move on as quick as I can. Do you think people can train themselves to be more like that with regards to energy and passion? I think it's just the way you are, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked about biggest success. What would you say is your biggest challenge? Is the one in particular that stands out or a particular part of business that you don't necessarily enjoy? Yeah, there are a couple of things on the biggest challenges. One is IT systems. They drive me mad. I've tried two or three different IT systems and I'm going again, you know, on recruitment software to get something that really works for me because you try them, you do the free trial, then you sign up for a year and then I don't know for all of, I don't know why, but they seem to go wrong then for me. So we're, we're going again on that with so, a new system. So in a, in a recruitment system, what is it in particular that you're looking for that you don't necessarily find they're delivering on? Well, basically, in a recruitment system, it's just like a estate agency software. You know, it pulls the CV in, it recognises all the keywords. You've got all your clients in there, your candidates. You match it up just like you match up a property to an applicant, and then it all comes out the other end. And for me, just getting to that stage with the most recent system, it just didn't kind of it just didn't kind of work. The system was so overcomplicated. Yeah, you tend to find that nowadays. That one of the hardest things to do is keep things simple. So you mentioned there was a couple of things then that's been your biggest challenge, yeah. IT being one of them. What IT, was the other? yeah. The other one is non-payers, people that don't want to pay a recruitment fee after you've done the job or, you know, that that's always challenging because I can't really, I can't understand. Normally, if someone, if a candidate doesn't work out, I'm really fast at just 
pushing the money back to the client because I think I'm not a quick, you know, I'm not there just for one placement. I'm there hopefully for the next 10 years. So I love working with my clients. So the last thing I want to do is make them upset. So I'll always bounce it straight back in. But when someone either holds on to money or says they're not paying and it doesn't happen that often but when it does happen I always think I would never do that in a million years to someone that's provided me with a service or not pay for a very long time especially you know say if it's temporary staff because I do temps as well I believe in paying all the people I owe money to really promptly so that that's a bit of a bugbear of mine yeah absolutely and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that have dealt with or try to deal with people that haven't paid bills and owe them money how do you deal with that I get on the phone and I offer to go and collect it myself or got a process now. So my accountants have got a letter that we send out and then it can go legal. So we've got uh, solicitors. So it's all organised now. So there's a little one, two, three process. So I feel better about that. So I I suppose then the people that don't want to pay and also don't believe that they're going to receive any contact, they're not going to get the phone calls, are the ones that are most likely to keep chancing it. Mm -hmm. Whereas if they know that you're going to, be on the phone they're going to get letters from solicitors the risk of them not paying is massively reduced it is yeah yeah absolutely. okay so a good tip for anybody that uh, is owed payments don't be afraid to get on the phone and Chase ask for that for money it. yeah absolutely we're coming to the end of the interview so i've just got a couple more questions mm-hmm. tamzin what do you like to do i know we've talked about that you find it hard to wind down but when you do get some downtime what are the things that you like to do Well, in the morning I go to the gym or I run and then in the evening I either go for a walk or I run. So that's what I do. Okay. And do you feel that physical fitness is also an important aspect of business? Does it contribute to a, particularly with your energy? Yeah, absolutely. For me, I've always loved exercise and I think it is, I think it's really important to de-stress and when you go and do exercise, you feel amazing. So for me, it is just the ultimate. Do you feel different when there's those days where you just haven't had the time to go? Can you notice the difference? Oh, yeah. I'm really, I feel irritable. So normally, that's why I like to get up really early. So I either go running with a running buddy called Karen or I go to the gym. So it's one or the other. And if I've done that, then whatever kind of comes your way, you feel better with. And then at the end of the day, if you've had any problems and you go for an hour, then you feel better. How early do you get up? Five o'clock. And are you an early riser or is that a routine that you've had to force yourself into? I am an early riser, but I like to go to bed by about 10 o'clock. So that's me done for the day. I always like to get up early. Yeah, Yeah, I think, I I mean, I've tried to get up early and I'm more of a a night owl than Mm. than an early riser. But for those that are trying to get up early, exactly what you've mentioned there, the first thing about getting up early is you've got to go to bed early enough to give yourself enough sleep to get up early. So we know what you like to do in your downtime, relax, go to the gym. Now, if you could go back to 21-year-old Tamsin, give her one piece of advice, what would it be? Go with your gut instincts. Don't worry about what other people say, especially people that aren't in business. And just, just follow your heart. Do whatever you want to do, and then you'll never have any regrets. Wow. Very powerful. Amazing. What does the future look like for you and the team? Well, we've got Nottingham and Derby covered now, and Leicester. So ideally... I would like to grow it a little bit more because we've got some key accounts that are covering bigger geographical areas. So that would be nice to get someone else set up. And also, we used to run a temp desk, new homes temp desk. I'd quite like to get back into doing that as well. And for any estate agency owners or financial business owners, what sort of businesses do you enjoy working with? Which ones work well with you? Is there a particular size? Obviously, we know you like to work with the independent estate agencies. Yeah. Who do you look for as a client? I look for really nice clients. And when I say nice clients, I mean good companies that have got a nice reputation, that look after their staff and that are just really professional. To me, I just want to work with the best people, the nicest people that are going to look after and also provide, you know, excellent training and and mentoring of candidates, you know. So do you like to see, even after you've for the short term, ended the relationship with your candidates because you've placed them into a business. So you may cross paths later on down the line. Do you like to know that they are going to be looked after or is it once they're in the placement you have to sort of forget about it and move on to the next one I do like to know that they're okay I mean we won't keep in contact because you can imagine the client would be like well what are you doing ringing the candidate you've placed for eight weeks so literally that bedding in period is probably the first four weeks and after that they should be okay so in the first 
two to four weeks will be in contact with the candidate and then they they fly that's that's the end and if they come back you know or come back in a couple of years or five years you know that kind of thing happens but we would hope that the client would look after them okay and my final question for today Tamsin for anybody out there that does want to work with you be it a business owner or a candidate that's looking to work at a great estate agency where can we find out more about you and the services that you provide? Okay, well, you can log on to the website, which is www.tamsinweekloff.com or I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram and or give me a call 0777-3-1085. Okay, and for anybody that does want to find out more information, all of those links will be in the show notes. So head over to benjaminbrain.co.uk and just search for Tamsin and all of those links will be there, including show notes and all the relevant things that we've talked about in this interview. So Tamsin, that wraps everything up for today. I'd just like to thank you for your time. It's been a thoroughly enjoyable hour. Um, thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast thank you Ben thank you I've really enjoyed it I was a bit nervous it was like I was coming for an interview but I've really enjoyed it so you've been on the other side you know how your candidates feel now I do I do and to our listeners thank you and again look forward to catching up with you on the next episode of the truth about business One final thing before you go, if you enjoyed this interview and want to make sure you don't miss out on the next episode with another real life business champion, make sure you subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, your favorite podcast app, or by visiting my blog at benjaminbrain.co.uk and hitting subscribe. At the blog, you'll also find the show notes to this episode, which includes all the relevant links to the website, social media channels, contact details, and anything else that was discussed in the episode. Just type in the name of the guest and that will bring that right up for you. And finally, I'm always on the search for great business owners who would be happy to spare just a couple of hours of the time to share their business experience with our audience. So if you know of anyone that would make a great guest or you'd like to feature yourself, just let me know. Send an email to hello at benjaminbrain.co.uk and I'll reply personally as soon as possible. Also, if you've got any feedback, questions that you'd like me to ask our guests or any other suggestions, I am definitely all ears. That email address again is hello at benjaminbrain.co.uk. So that's it for this episode. I just want to thank you sincerely for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Stay hungry, stay fearless, get out there and make it happen.